0: Welcome to Consider Yourself Hugged episode 97. <laughs> I'm Tammy and I'm Michelle. Wait, we just said that. We just said that and I couldn't even remember was it 96 or 97? But that's okay. So, here we are with our first episode of Women in the News and today we promised you the story of Kim Potter. So, I am going to start with just Reading, although maybe not word for word, but pretty close, from a New York Times article, What to Know About the Death of Dante Wright. Okay, here's what happened in the Brooklyn Center, how the shooting unfolded. According to Chief Tim Gannon of the Brooklyn, Brooklyn Center Police Department, officers pulled Mr. Wright over on April 11th for a traffic violation related to expired tax. They discovered there was a warrant out for his arrest. As police tried to detain Mr. Wright, he stepped back in his car, prompting a brief struggle with officers. In graphic body camera footage shown to reporters the next day, one officer can be seen pointing a handgun at him and shouting, Taser. After the car pulls away, the officer yells in obscenity and says, I just shot him, to two other officers, according to the video. The car traveled several blocks and struck another vehicle. The police and medical workers pronounced Mr. Wright dead at the scene. And I will, we were going to stop there, but I will read the next sentence, Michelle. It is my belief that the officer had the intention to deploy the taser, but instead shot Mr. Wright with a single bullet. And that was what chief Gannon said. So that's the story. And. We said this before on our sort of intro episode last time, but we want to make sure that, that, you know, that our intent is not to make assumptions about the story, to develop opinions, to talk about anything other than here's what happened and let's dissect what we can learn for women about mental and emotional health,
1: right? It's not an, a forensic view or look or not, you know. Right. Who should have done on that? that level? Right. right.
0: Right. It's not a commentary on the state of police in the country, or it's none of that. No. <laughs> um, and we so, do not
1: consider our, ourselves, you know, qualified in any way to do that. So
0: no. we do consider ourselves hugged, but we don't consider ourselves to
1: be. <laughs> so, okay.
0: You know what too? I mean, definitely this is new for us. So we would love your input. I mean, I don't usually ask for input like this, but let us know that if we are accomplishing that goal of this being just about you, you know, you and your mental and emotional health and what we can learn from someone else. So, and send it to Michelle, if it's criticism, cause I don't know. <laughs> so this was interesting. Um, roughly, and this was just recently um, after about 27 hours of deliberation, it took four days and the jury found Kim Potter guilty of first degree manslaughter and second degree manslaughter in the April 11th killing of Wright. Um, so we, we also talked about how, you know, we, we see these these news articles and even though we're not dissecting it, we do want to at least make sure everybody knows like what manslaughter is.
1: Right. Because we when first, second degree, we had to research that ourselves. We didn't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know so, and I will put this in the show notes too. Um, this was a legal defense site in Minnesota because it turns out that it can differ from state to state. Um, so the overall definition of manslaughter is the unintentional killing of a person without lawful justification. I think the key word there is unintentional. So it was no premeditation. Um, it was it was unintentional, but then different states prosecute differently. So. This site that we have in the show notes is specific to Minnesota. So first degree manslaughter, I'm just going to read. This is from that site and what the example is. First degree manslaughter is often charged for killing someone in the heat of passion. So they gave an example. A person catches their spouse in bed with another person. If this person kills one or both individuals, they would likely be charged with first degree manslaughter. I honestly thought that would be considered murder. Would you? (laughs)
1: Yes, I absolutely thought that would be murder. I yeah. Mean, so like in this case, is it applying because it's the intensity of the moment?
0: Yeah, that it, it. the person wasn't thinking. I guess like when I think of like that kind of manslaughter, I think of, um, you know, being in a car and maybe it's raining and you run off the side of the road and hit somebody. It, and the reason that it's manslaughter is because maybe you were speeding. So it was unintentional, but you still
1: were. Right. Yeah, that example is surprising. Yeah, I would have thought that was murder as well.
0: Yeah, me too. I don't know. Yeah. Again, we're not, we're not, we're not experts in this, but yeah.
1: further verification, you know, <laughs> that we are not.
0: Yes. And so the actually what I just said would be considered the example that I just talked about with the driving, like speeding in the rain probably applies to second degree manslaughter. So in Minnesota, again, it's state by state, second degree manslaughter charge is more along the lines of engaging in reckless behavior. So you can be charged with second degree manslaughter if you knowingly or consciously take a risk that results in the death of another person. And the example they give is you accidentally shoot someone on a hunting trip and they die, but you were negligent with that gun so i guess the car thing i'm not planning on doing that but if i were to be speeding in the rain and hit somebody that would be engaging in reckless behavior and then killing somebody
1: so the like definition of murder then is it has to be planned and intentional i think so pre i don't know anyway
0: with manslaughter i guess it's it's unintentional like i guess if you saw your spouse with another person there's not like this moment where you intentionally say, okay, I'm going to take this gun and I'm going to kill them. You just like, you walk over and smash them on the head or something. this is really going in a bad place. But anyway, <laughs> let's move along. Okay. Um, let's move along to how this applies to Kim Potter. Um, so the sentence for first degree manslaughter can be up to 15 years in prison and up to 30,000 in fines or both. And according to this website, in most cases, they will serve seven to 10 years. And for second degree, um, it could be up to 10 years in prison. However, they would likely serve less than five years. And I also read that since she was charged for the same person that she will only be sentenced for first degree manslaughter, because it's the same. If If she were charged separately for two different people, she would get sentencing for both so that's what I know um oh yeah it's in there there's a link ABC News there was a story and I'll put that in there too um so from what I read did you read anything about the sentencing and what might affect the sentencing
1: no I just read because I knew that it was a fewer years than what that example just gave but you explained why that was oh yeah so
0: then just going on, I read some things. Um, she has no criminal history. So the guidelines might be from six to eight and a half years with the sentencing, maybe a little over seven. Um, prosecution will probably seek more, but that's kind of what, what they were thinking. So that's that's the story. What happened, what she was found guilty of, and what the sentencing might be like. That's probably enough on the details, do you think? Yes. Okay. Did you have anything else to add that you uncovered during your research?
1: I think the information about the juror, the juror's opinion, a little bit about that. Um, but I think that'll fit a little better later on.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, we, we thought there were a couple of, of interesting things to talk about here. I thought of two which might take us into a few different directions. The first one is just women and our emotions. Should I play the YouTube video? Yes. Okay. So we have a YouTube video that we're going to play and you should be able to hear it and you can go watch it if you want to i'll put the link in the show notes. So this is an exchange that happened between the prosecutor and Kim Potter. It's about 4 minutes, but i think it's really worth a listen and i want you to hear listen to her voice to the questions, just just everything.
2: After you shot Dante Wright. You didn't behave like someone who had just saved Sergeant Johnson's life, did you? I was very distraught. I, I... I just shot somebody. I've never done that. Well, you never asked Sergeant Johnson if he was okay, right? I don't remember the conversations. You didn't check in on him at all, right? I don't know. Well, you saw the video when Sergeant Johnson fed you the line that guy was trying to take off with me. You didn't bite, right? You didn't respond to that at all, did you? The video. I was crying. I was in shock. And he was trying to make you feel better, wasn't he? The The objection is sustained. Well, he didn't remember saying it, right? You heard that testimony. Yes. And you don't remember him saying that, right? No. And you didn't say anything like, "Thank God, I shot that guy and saved your life." You didn't say anything like that, right?
1: The objection is overruled.
2: You didn't say that, right? No. And you didn't ask Sergeant Johnson anything except to call Chuck, right? I don't remember what I asked him. That would be on the video, right? Yes. You'd agree that as a police officer, you have the duty to render aid and communicate information to other officers, right? Yes. And it's part of your job to assist those who are hurt or injured, true? Yes. And to communicate to other officers what you know about a particular scene, right? Yes. Give them whatever information you can to help them do their jobs, to help render assistance, things like that, right? Yes. But you didn't do any of those things on April 11th, did you? No. You stopped doing your job completely. You didn't communicate what happened over the radio, right? No. You didn't make sure any officers knew what you had just done, right? No. You didn't run down the street and try to save Dante Wright's life, did you? No. You didn't check on the other car that had been hit, did you? No that all happened just down the road from you. Yes. You were focused on what you had done because you had just killed somebody. I'm sorry it happened. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Ms. Potter, for your reaction today and from reaction on your video. You didn't plan to use deadly force that day, did you? No! You didn't want to use deadly force, did you? The, the objection is overruled. No! I, uh, no! Because you knew that deadly force was unreasonable and unwarranted in those circumstances. And I didn't want to hurt anybody! <laughs> You didn't want to hurt anybody. That's why you said, I'm going to go to prison.
1: I don't. <laughs> All right. The objection is sustained.
0: Wow. It's so weird watching that, isn't
1: it? I, yes, it is. It's, it's hard. It's hard to watch,
0: Yeah. You you read, I think we both read the same article. Tell me about the juror that you read about, Michelle. Tell everybody. Because there was comments
1: yeah. on this display, right? Yeah, and there's a couple of um, different articles involving the jurors. But, you know, overall, there was some division in whether people felt like that interaction was real. And watching the video, I mean, she, it, it, I mean, it, it seems like she, is very distraught Um, and that's what this juror said in the article that there were some people who did not believe that the tears were real and now was that more was her emotions analyzed more in her mugshot things like that because she's female versus male I mean who knows I think you know there's a certain degree of that that goes along with males as well but like I, I do think that she was definitely under a microscope. And as far as like what the jurors thought, this was not a, you know, just completely um, where everyone thought that it was guilty or everyone thought not guilty. They deliberated for a while and for a while they thought it was going to be a mistrial.
0: Yeah. I mean, four days, I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't follow trials enough, but Four days, I think, is a considerable amount of time to deliberate.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, I agree. Especially with with this, where I think um, it's it's just difficult, and it's people's lives. You know, his family, her, her family. It's, it's tough. Well, and
0: she wasn't being tried for murder. I think that's important to know too. She was being tried for manslaughter, which automatically means that it was unintentional. So, right. yeah. I don't know. Here's the one that I read. I'm just going to read a little bit of this excerpt and we'll put this article in there too. So one of the jurors, it may have been the one that you read about too. She says, I don't think any juror felt Kim Potter was a liar, but we did get the feeling she was fighting for her life by testifying. And we understood why she would be. I was surprised after the verdict came, came out to learn some people did not find her crying to be real. Just being in the courtroom, it felt very real and tangible to me she seemed very upset and apologetic. I don't want to speak for all the jurors, but I think we believed she was a good person and even believed she was a good cop. No one felt she was intentional in this. We felt like she was a good person. We felt she made a mistake. And then mistake does not absolve you from the fact that you did commit a crime. Being a good person doesn't mean you're above the law. I don't think anyone felt she wanted to kill anybody that day. There was no good feeling. This was a tragedy all the way around.
1: Yeah. And, and one of the things I had read as well, I mean, she had made the statement that she was training someone that day and a violation of registration probably was, isn't even something she would have pulled someone over for on a typical day. So, you know, the, I, everything I read, it seemed like she was very regretful.
0: Oh, if, why did she pull them over then if she said...
2: She
1: was training someone, it said. And so I don't know if it was training. And but I mean, it's just like this juror said, I mean, it was still crime. So,
0: yeah, it it was. And, you know, the again, the fact that they were trying her for um, manslaughter means that her intent wasn't really under question. So, you know, I'm always going to be it did. You know, it felt it felt authentic to me, and I think the assumption that we want to make, again, not trying to sort out any of the details or or make it any bigger than it is, but going ahead with the verdict that it was manslaughter and going then with the the knowledge that it was unintentional. How do you get past that? You know, if those emotions are real, and that was the second thing we wanted to talk about. The first was that, oh, and you brought up so that her mugshot, she was smiling, and that just was all over um, all over. And I don't know, do you think that just comes from a camera and we're just so conditioned that you just
1: smile? Who knows? (laughs) I mean, it could have also been like, depending on where she was arrested, you know, she's a police officer. She could have known the people they could have been, you know, joking with her about it. Who knows? I mean, I don't know. I don't know where she was arrested. Um, but like that, if she was brought into her, yeah, I don't, you know, yeah. I read another
0: article that talked about, okay, it says, um she looked, said, let's see, this is an AP news article. Potter, who testified she didn't want to hurt anybody, and we heard that, looked down without any visible reaction when the verdicts were read. Um, and showed no visible emotion in court. She was photographed smiling in a mugshot. You know, I it's it's so hard there's so many emotions. And I, I honestly think in, in this case that a man would probably be judged in the same way. What do you, I mean, we see when we see someone being uh, sent or uh, in a trial that that is part of what's going on is we're looking, we're looking at the faces. We're looking at the emotions. I mean, what do you think? I'm just, this is just kind of coming out of me, but yeah, I think it's, that is absolutely
1: true. And, to some degree, unfair, because every situation is different. And if you look at like her profession, so like, you know, she's a police officer, or was a police officer. So you could like police officers, trauma nurses, individuals who are trained to put their emotion aside mm-hmm. and look at the task at hand. I mean, obviously, they're going to process emotions differently than someone who would, that is not there line of work. That's and so, I mean, it, yeah, I, th- I think it's difficult to look at someone in that situation and pass judgment on what they were actually feeling just based on like what their facial expression was at the time.
0: Right. And that, in just that one moment, mm-hmm. um, well, assuming that there's remorse and that th- there was no intent, um, that the second thing was what, how do you get past, whether it's, because this this can be all over the, all over the place. You've done something that hurt, that's hurt somebody else. You know, in this case it's killing. Um, it could be injury. You know, we see stories all the time of leaving a child in the car and that car child is either injured. Sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes they die or you, you turned your head for a second and your baby fell and you had to go to the hospital or just, you know, I don't know.
1: Yeah, and it, that was what, what one of the jurors said is one of the most difficult parts was you know, hearing testimony from Dante Wright's family and thinking about his son. I mean, this individual was 20 years old, so young. And, you know, you have a picture that you yeah, said. Yeah. So he's young. He's young. He's, and so
0: you here, sent it to me and I looked at it. It was like he was just a baby.
1: Yeah. And so, like that, on top of that, you know, she's killed someone who was just starting out with a very young son. I mean, it's obviously it's a lot.
0: And this, this can, again, because we're talking to you and how you're processing your life. um, Probably you haven't killed someone accidentally or not. Um, Maybe you haven't even physically hurt someone, but I'm sure, I mean, we have to believe that you've done something that has hurt someone in your life. And How do you get past that? And we did find, I I didn't find a lot except this one. There was a website and I'll post it. It's called accidentalimpacts.org. And it was started by a woman who um, accidentally, I think it was a a young person, ran out in front of her car. And she started this association. And they, they call this situation... I don't know if they pronounce it that way. Cause I only see it. It's an acronym C A D I causing accidental death or injury. And they have a whole website and, you know, we just saw all over the news, Alex Baldwin on the movie set.
1: Oh yes. Yeah. yeah.
0: When the gun, and we don't, we don't know any of the details about that, but it appears, you know, whatever it was that happened, but the gun, you know, he thought he was sh- shooting blanks or, and killed somebody and injured somebody else.
2: Yes.
1: Like what, what, happens when your intention and the reality of what happens are so far apart.
0: Yeah. That's a really good way to put it. And, and we thought a, a really good way just because we want to have lessons, not just the story. I thought that the, there were three points on this particular website and there's lots to look at on the website, but these three says, so we believe that the caddies that this, uh, Sorry, I wish I knew how it's pronounced, but causing accidental death or injury, um, that there are three things they struggle with. The first one is coping with emotional distress. So this the website talks about um, coping with emotional distress, and they have nine things that I just want to read if you're okay with that. Yeah. And again, we'll put links here and I'm going to read them very fast, but number one, be kind to yourself, which is something we always want you to do. And listen, that, that this was really powerful. The pain you feel is evidence of your humanity. Yes. If you don't feel pain. And again, this applies not just to, you know, the accidental death or injury, but if you don't feel pain, if you've hurt someone, then, then that's evidence of something else. If you really have hurt someone, then that pain just means you're human. Number two, keep in mind, you will not always feel this way and you can find a path to peace and jump in anytime, Michelle. Number three, don't be afraid to ask for help. You know, it could be friends. It could be pastoral. It could be professional doctors. Um, number four, if you're thinking of suicide, please take action immediately. And we'll post links to the a link to the national suicide prevention lifeline. Number five, they, they, have a few links to find qualified, qualified therapists in the U S number six, don't abuse alcohol or drugs. If you need medication prescribed, that's something you should go to your doctor for number seven. Don't neglect your overall health. You still have to eat and drink and exercise. Number eight, be wary of advice. that doesn't feel right to you. You know, when you're going through something, people want to give you all kinds of advice, But be wary if it doesn't feel right. And number nine, they have some links to books and podcasts for additional information, Um, especially from you, Michelle, with your profession. Do those sound pretty good to you? Yes. And and I think that like
1: as you were reading those, one of the things I think that's that's difficult is, you know, the whole in in reading those many of those address forgiving yourself and You know, one of the core things in like 12-step programs um, is forgiveness, forgiving yourself, forgiving the person um, that hurt you. And so on both sides, that's where the freedom comes in. But again, as you were reading this, I'm thinking there are so many times where people feel like if I give up the anger towards myself over what happened, then I'm doing that person that I harmed an injustice. Oh. And so, you know, to look at that and kind of think through, can I honor them by holding on to this or are there better ways to honor them by working through that? And like the person, and, and again, this, this episode, it's, I had mentioned before, I mean, it's hard for me, a young man lost his life, a young man with a son lost his life. And so, you know, that, that mama, that, you know, girlfriend, I mean, what they're going through is, is real as well and kind of come into that place. Like it's, that. they often also think if I let go of this anger and I can't speak for them, I don't know kind of where, um, they are, but letting go of the anger isn't also an injustice to their loved one. But in the end, that can be very, very destructive. The lack of forgiveness
0: you know, that is, that is so good. And in a minute, number three is going to be so important to what you just said about how can I honor them? Um, if I let go of, if I don't forgive myself, how if I forgive myself and let go of the anger, then how is that? It, it's like, I'm not a human anymore. It's like, I've let go of my humanity and it's just not true. I love that. Um, So that's the first one is some ideas of coping with emotional distress. The second talks about wrestling with responsibility and, and the morality of it. And, And here they talk about on this particular link, sometimes we may be reckless or negligent driving. We talked about, you know, driving fast in the rain or, and, and something just happened. And so on this one, there's just some, some books that they've referenced so I think the important point here is that people who have hurt somebody unintentionally, they struggle. Are they a good person anymore? They've fallen short of this moral expectation and this responsibility to not harm people. And how do you how do you get through that? And I think it's similar, don't you, Michelle, to what we even just
1: talked about? All of yeah, those I steps. I think so. And this article um, highlights, you know, the person feeling like they're no longer the good person they have tried to be, and so like life, we're on a continuum. Everybody makes mistakes, you know, so, but I can see very much where are like holding on to that. I'm now bad. Yeah. And I I think we've talked before, you know, like it can be a real obstacle with adults. It can be a real obstacle with children. Like if someone gets in their mind that they are bad, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, there's just nothing positive that can come from that.
0: And I think that then this third one, I thought was just so good in so many ways. And I think part of the way to deal with this one and two, the emotional distress, the moral responsibility, number three, honor our experience, honoring our experience and those we ha- harmed by becoming better, stronger people. And in this, we find hope and we find growth. I thought that was so powerful that we can let go of the anger and forgive ourselves because by doing that, what we are going to do is try to become better, stronger people. And that's what honors someone that we've hurt.
1: Yes. Turning it into like furthering things positively for their memory, but also understanding that you can also progress and move on. Even if that person, even if that person's family does not forgive you because forgiveness isn't, it isn't a given and they may not. You know,
0: I, I don't remember who it was, but I just saw because there's a lot of different um, cases in the news about different
2: uh,
0: juries and trials and things. And one of the interviews I saw, I don't think it had anything to do with Kim Potter, but the family they interviewed said, "I will never forgive this person." And then you see others where they say, "I have forgiven them," and you're right; they may not, but that can't,
1: that can't keep you in a bad place. Right. Right. It, it can't determine where you, you move from, from there.
0: You talk a lot about trauma. Um, and so what does that mean to become a, a better person? And I have a list here of some outcomes, some growth outcomes of trauma and they listed. So, so meaning working through this, being a stronger person, some of those outcomes are self-reliance, vulnerability, which means you, you can, life is fragile and appreciating that um, self-declosure disclosure and emotional expressiveness um, you can obtain support from family and friends compassion and giving to others and appreciation for life spiritual development and meaning of life and wisdom
1: yes and I think that with huge traumas like this that like learning to process that like the self disclosure and emotional expressiveness you have to give yourself time and you have to work through it yeah and whatever that looks like for you I think that just immediately declaring you're you're over it I mean that's so it's just just takes some time process Mm -hmm.
0: well what do you think I hope that we stayed true to our desire to just talk mainly about mental and emotional health. I hope we did that. Do you think we did it? I think so. I think we did it too. we can give us some feedback, let us know. If it's criticism, send it to me. (laughs) Well, it's a really tough situation. And, you know, as I see updates and as Michelle see updates, um, if there's anything just noteworthy, we'll post it in the Facebook group. Um, So, you know, I, even, I think of this too, that, that Kim Potter, I hope is going to Go on to honor Dante Wright and his family by becoming a better, stronger person. Who knows what's going to happen to her? How long the sentencing will be? But also, we can grow and become better, stronger
1: women. What you just said is so good because you know we—it's—we feel for both people in this situation. This is a tragic, tragic thing.
0: It is. It is. And hopefully, we will all be able to honor all of them in that situation. And, and by doing that, I mean, one way to do that is for us to pay attention and, you know, we want to post things and we want you to learn and grow from those too. So thank you for being with us on this first ever, you know, edition of women in the news next week. Um, we have Gillian Maxwell, so that should be very interesting. Um, very different. Yes. Very different. Very different. Thanks for staying with us and supporting us. Please join our Facebook group, check out Michelle's practice as well. And I think that's all we got for today, right? Yep. Okay. Well then until we see you next time, consider
1: yourself a lot.